Shabbos, everybody. Shabbos. So as Rabbi David mentioned, this is um, this is my my grandfather's yard site today. Uh, it's 21 years since his passing. Um, it's the, his name is Simcha Aryeh, Simcha Levish, Ben, Dov Wolf, Dov Zev, Peril, 10th of Tammuz. So Tammuz is, is not the happiest month of the calendar. Um, I've been very mindful of how this community and also in the in the sense of, of the whole Jewish year right now, uh, we are dealing with proximity to death. And so sitting here with my grandfather's yard site and actually so many other yard sites over the past week, um, a lot of Rebbe's, a lot of, a lot of tzaddikim, a lot of righteous people, um, both in our tradition, in our community, and, and around the world, there's really a sense of a strange kind of juxtaposition of loss, collapse, bereavement, and synchronicity. It's a kind of meaning that pokes through that we almost don't know what to do with. It almost feels like inappropriate for anything to be meaningful. Um, and I'm like, but you've got a heifer about exposure to death at the beginning of this Parsha, then you have a couple of pretty significant deaths, Miriam and Aaron, siblings of Moses, um, as I think about my grandfather today uh, and our, our reading, I'm thinking also about uh, Rabbi David's drasha, the sermon last night, discussing this kind of Freudian slip that Moses has at the, at the rock a couple chapters ago from where we're going to start this morning. And when I looked at the verse uh, that we're starting with this morning, I thought, it's not as rich with like this kind of narrative, those verses that pop out, those stories that pop with um, you know, readiness to be interpreted. It's almost like the Torah itself is saying, let's take a break after all of the service, all of the suffering. Even the last few partial sin and, and just the community struggling to be one in so many ways, to be in a relationship with God, to be with each other, to be in the desert, the whole shebang is just so embattled for weeks and weeks and weeks already, and the Torah says, okay, listen, we're gonna actually start on page 890 if you wanna check it out. Coming out from a, it's 20, chapter 21, and it's verse 11 of Numbers, to the lead-in, verse 10, which we're not gonna read, the Israelites marched on and encamped at this place called Ovot. And we're going to read, So the Torah is saying, anyway, they, <laughs> it's almost like the Torah is in the middle of this like amazing catharsis. There's all this stuff going on, all this tremendously dramatic and emotional narrative. And, and the Torah kind of, Closes up a little and says, anyway, they had to, they were traveling a lot, you know. They were walking a lot and going from place to place. And it's a moment for us, actually, I think, to like sort of have a pastoral moment with the Torah and wait for its Freudian slips. For, for its truth to come through 
even when it might even be trying to sort of just say something very, very everyday, to go back into just a routine, linear order, I'm just gonna tell you a story, no big deal. The story pops. And in just another uh, synchronicity, um, I'm gonna bring a text from the Ishbitzer Rebbe, which uh, Rabbi Mark also brought. Uh, a, di a different text, but same Rebbe, so he's in the room somehow, okay? Ishbitzer, uh, Rabbi Mordechai Yosef Leiner of Ishbitz, the, the Meshiloach, he interprets this verse, which literally says, number 11 here, they set out from Ovot and camped at Ye'avarim, we're going to talk about what the names of these places actually are, that the Etzchayim doesn't translate them, which is like significant in and of itself, kind of letting us go where we might with it, in the wilderness bordering on Moab to the east. So this Ovot business, the, the Ishbitzer says, is Ovot are, from the word from the word Av, from Aleph Bet, from Av, the, the, this place called Ovot, these are, the, these are the laws of the Torah. So in the previous verse, like everything was falling apart and the Israelites camped in the laws of the Torah, they like retrenched into something that they could count on because they've lost their leaders, they're losing, they're having a lot of loss. Everything's falling apart, we're gonna sit in what's something that's stable. And then in the next verse immediately, the next two words, and then they leave Ovot. They leave the laws of the Torah, the Ishbitzer says. What does this mean? He goes into uh, a, a verse from the Psalms um, that the Talmud actually inverts it says in the Psalms, Ed la'asot l'adonai, feru toratecha. It's a time to act for God. They have uprooted, they have canceled, they have, they have separated, they have cut off your Torah. And the, and the Talmud says, the Babylonian Talmud records a rabbi saying, actually, it's, uh, it's, it's that it's time, it's, it's time. It's time to uproot the Torah because it's a time to act for God. Uproot the Torah, Heferu, which is like almost kind of like in there with the whole Parah business, honestly. Although that's a little bit of a jump. The Parah Duma, the red heifer. There's a connection here. We go straight from sitting in the Torah to uprooting the Torah. And the Ishbitzer says, because sometimes when our backs are up against the wall, we need the Torah. And sometimes we think, oh, is this a time actually like you know, is there sort of drastic measures needed? Should I actually, God forbid, do something against the Torah in this time? And he goes to to Be'e in this next, this next place where they go, and he says, okay, so this is a place where, yay, from the word kind of like for dustpan or a sweeper, sweeps away Ha'avarim, their sins. Averot, Averat. And it's a very interesting idea that somehow this mix of moving in and out of reliance on the law itself and then maybe a need to kind of like actually to order, in order to fulfill something for God to actually go beyond the law or something like that could actually um, be related to, uh, to sweeping away sins. When I see this, when I see this uh, Av, Ovot, Av, father, parent, ancestor, juxtaposed with Abarim, which can also be, be read as Hebrews, or people cross, 
And I think about even the geography of where we're talking about. The Israelites are moving across Transjordan, Ever Ayarden, Ever Ayarden, Transjordan, Ever. They are re, they are, they are coming full circle. They are retracing the, the steps of Abraham, Abraham Ha'ivri, who crossed that same river. They're not going to cross it for a little while, but they're in his steps. And in some ways, this connection between crossing and transgressing, which is in the very linguistic DNA of this identity of what it means to be identified with Ivri, with Hebrew, with these words, with these letters, with this whole tradition going back to Abraham, is somehow a challenge of saying, I don't, I don't know what to do. Do I sit in the tradition? Do I break from the tradition? A tradition of transgression. What if, do I do what, my, what Abraham did? Do I leave my fathers? Do I, he's my father. How can I, what is traditional? When you have a tradition of innovation, when you have, when you, you're presented with a problem always of innovating, maybe being quite in line with what's come before you, and also at the same time, obviously, risking a break. Very difficult to find integrity, and especially at a sad time like this. When we feel lost, when we maybe don't feel like we're our strongest selves, to get that calculation right feels almost impossible. So what do they do? They camp there. And Rashi actually reads Iye, this dustpan image, swept as like wind-swept ruins. Ruins. The ruins of the Avarim. And if we're reading Avarim as like our ancestors, our Hebrew ancestors who moved, who crossed, who left their homes and went on journeys, which is what they're doing, they're going on journeys, that kind of civilization doesn't really have ruins in the physical sense. It's not like a, it's not a civilization that's built on huge buildings that over thousands of years get washed away, eroded by the sand. It's like, it's the, the ruins of that kind of a civilization, it had something, means something much more internal, something that's happening inside. I think my, my favorite image of this in our tradition is actually the word Sidor, which if you split it up, so the dalit is actually doubled. There's two dalits in there because of the grammar. It actually is seed door. Seed is like a mortar, cement. Door is a generation. It also means like residing. So it's almost like you're like, let's build a house through a spiritual experience. Let's get together. Let's talk to God. Let's hear God. And that's going to be the thing that ties us together. That's going to be the building that we have. That's our edifice. The Ishbitzer says that uh, the best example, the example he gives for why they might have retrenched into the laws is because when the temple was destroyed, an actual physical building that our civilization had, that the ancient Israelite civilization had, when the temple's destroyed, God is limited to the four cubits of halakha. We need to just chill with the law, just deal with the law. I'm kind of wondering kind of wondering, what, what does it mean for us to camp in the ruins? 
sit in there to deal with the ambivalence, to deal with like, what are these ruins? What are we supposed to rebuild? How do we move forward with integrity? How do we not play, right, apologetics? Just grasping for meaning, but also to hear the meaning that's just flowing through. The hardest times are sometimes the times when we're actually, when, when we're most broken open, when, when meaning becomes, when, when what's really important actually becomes radically clear amidst the confusion. So I, I don't want to actually answer any of these questions, and I think we need to move in terms of time. Um, we've got to, like the Israelites, keep traveling. So um, I want to just throw out these questions and basically invite everyone, anyone and everyone up for this open up. Anyone who is struggling with this question of what it means to be traditional, what it means to contribute to a counterculture culture, what it means to move forward and cross over and see from another perspective that's in keeping with the perspective, that's not other. how to innovate with integrity, how to move forward with integrity, and how to sit in ruins and have that be part of our passage.